Welcome in, Chat 10 Sports. I have a beautiful, absolutely very professional co-host today, Greg Lornard of ESPN Chattanooga and the Better Network. How are you today, my friend? I would uh, I would use the the term professional very loosely uh, at mm. this juncture of uh, of the evening, as we're rocking and rolling, running around from one thing to another. Got a workout in today though, so we got our protein shake. I'm doing something a little crazy today. Now, generally we just go milk and we just you know get a good scoop of protein in there, but I'm like almond milk, straight vanilla protein. I'm like that's a little bland. I need a little something extra in there. And I was looking around the kitchen trying to figure out what I wanted to do and. I've got like that natural peanut butter that has like, like all the oils in it and stuff. So it's a little looser. Maybe I'll just drizzle a little bit in there. So we're going with a little bit of a different combination and uh, it's working out quite nicely. So I'm, I'm ready to light the fires and let's go. Let's freaking go, baby. Uh, Hannah has become a huge fan of the PB fit. I mean, it is rampant around our household. So we got a lot to do today. Uh, so I'm glad you got your protein in. Glad you get a little swole session. <clears throat> it's going to be great um so baseball it's a full day it's a big full day for you my friend you went from coaching ah i couldn't end the day on a better note though and i'm so happy that you're home can't wait to see you on friday oh it's gonna be fantastic i know we're right here in this beautiful city of chattanooga thanks to shout out to my good man that lets me stay at his home right now but uh (laughs) things we're gonna do today before besides just be best friends uh we're gonna talk some uconn basketball uh, as a Husky man himself, uh, literally and figuratively from his younger years, like myself, um, we got some basketball. We've got some more women's basketball because that was a fun debate for the entire country, it felt like. And definitely we got to talk about what we're going to do after March Madness and the Masters because the casual fan right now is going to be in a little bit of disarray. Like if you're not much of an NBA or MLB guy, so it could be fun. Could be a little weird for some people. So, or girl, or girl, yeah, definitely the girls because the ladies right now are hot right now, hot right now. So, but we're gonna hit a little intro, do all the fun stuff, all the podcasting that we have to do like, subscribe, share during the live show. Fire away in the comments, we got you guys. So, enjoy this little intro. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports, where we're talking all things Tennessee sports and everything in between. If you're watching us from Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, we do invite you to chat with us live, so make sure and keep that thing live. And if you're listening to us, be sure to follow, subscribe, rate the show, and if you're watching on YouTube, hit the bell for notifications. But folks, with that said, without further ado, let's jump into a brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports. Hmm. Of that little thing, Trey Wynn, great job on that. Trey, one. I know he's just good Killing at that it. stuff. He's so good at that stuff. But yeah, he's I wonder. He does have a good voice, and he has been picking and singing everywhere too. So can't can't knock the guy for doing the hustle right now. Uh, churches, venues, wherever else, all the breweries around town. I have to know because he's also an excited man. How are you feeling after your national championship? Just basking in the glory, man. It's just, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Strive for five, drive for five, whatever it may be. It's, it's honestly the most consistent sports team that I root for. And it's, it's interesting because it's the one that's most, I don't want to say it's the most near and dear to my heart because it's not a professional team. And I feel like I'm more of a Packers, Knicks, Mets fan, but it's my one true 
home state team. Mm-hmm. I could be a Knicks fan. I can be a Mets fan, but I didn't grow up in New York. I grew up New York adjacent. I grew up near New York. I grew up in earshot of WFAN. My dad was a Mets fan, Knicks fan. So that's how I became those. But this is the one true Connecticut thing since we don't have other than the Connecticut sun. And I'm not, you know, the biggest, we're, we're going to talk a lot about the ladies tonight and uh, as we well should, but I'm, I'm not the biggest WNBA fan. I, I don't get into it all that much. They do have the Connecticut sun. That's they used to have the heart for whalers. They took that from us. And so we have the we have Connecticut sports. We have the Yukon Huskies, whether that's softball, baseball, basketball, as piss poor as they are in football, you can root for them. I, I was cleaning up the apartment, Sam and I were going through it a little bit last night. And uh, I was trying to consolidate down some of these bins that we have. And I pulled out this bin that I had a bunch of like football jerseys in. And I have a white and blue, navy blue Yukon Huskies football jersey for some gosh forsaken reason. So, I mean, that's that's what we have to root for. And, and the Huskies are the team that's been most successful in my lifetime. I mean, five championships in 24 years. The Packers have won two since I've been alive. The Knicks and the Mets, God help them, have never won one. No. But we're still keeping our fingers crossed for those. But um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 very excited, man. This was a this was a fun and a very complete team. Yes. That's definitely the biggest part of it is towards the end, like you, they were by far the best team. Like I really do feel like we got the best, most balanced team that wins, won the championship this year. Was it a little wild? Yeah. I mean, but you kind of like look at it from a seating perspective. You're like, well, these weren't that great of teams, but you look at it from a winning standpoint from all the, the talent they had on the floor for college players. This was not a loaded Final Four, there was no McDonald's All-Americans, probably not any first-rounders. I don't think there might be some guys that come out of it. Maybe Hawkins. There's, I was going to say, maybe Jordan Hawkins? That's somebody that made a little made a little run for himself. Even through his sickness, the stomach bug couldn't have been fun. But FAU is a 30-win team, though. You know, like, that's a non-seed. They would have got in anyways, even if they didn't win their tournament. You don't think so? You, you think they would have? Yeah, I really do. I think they would have. It had been really close. But this was the most dominant performance since that, like, 2009 uh, UNC team that was dominating. But you guys won every game by 13 or more. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, there was that team. That's happened, what, five times now in uh, in NCAA tournament history that a team has won by 10-plus points in every single one of their, their games that they played in the tournament. UNC in 2009 was one of those teams, but Villanova did it in 2018. So that was a team that recently sort of recently uh, went on that type of run and, and, and dominated the way that, that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, what's crazy too, is they're talking about speaking of Villanova, it was the 16 team, but that came through uh, and hit that shot in Houston. Also, it's so the last, like in the San Diego state game, the first one of the buzzy beater, and then the last shot that was made in that arena, basketball-wise, was freaking Chris Jenkins hitting that shot. The most <laughs> heartbreaking, soul-crushing shot of all time for me. But, oh. um, yeah, so the, those two buzzer beaters. So, Houston, good for them. I looked at it from a perspective, too. It was like, yeah, they had y'all had your little blip in January. But you were like the best team in November, most of December. And then definitely going February and March. 
And mm-hmm. so I, I had I had Miami and I had UConn in the final four because they fit the models, you know, like good guard play, defense, and Miami did not, but they good guard play. And you guys just y'all were big everywhere. I could play any style of basketball. I was like, dude, how are you guys gonna beat who's gonna beat this team? Especially if you know nobody comes out of there that's gonna challenge them. And it was a little bit that way because you didn't get the top seeds. Dang, dude, that was a bad team. And uh, your boy Sonogo, going to be a legend forever, right? Oh, man, I'm a big fan of his. Like, I, I don't know if you listened to the show at all this week when I was talking about him, but it was just, it was so much fun to watch him. And as a former big man myself, mm-hmm. when I was when I was donning the hard, hardwood and uh, was, was on the basketball court as um, the, the 6'2 white kid that I am, you know, was very skinny. I don't know if y'all saw that picture on on, on Twitter that I posted. What, was, it, was that Camper of the Week? What was that? That was no, that was uh, that was championship. We won our team, won oh. the uh, Jim Calhoun for our age group or whatever it was. We won the championship, league championship. No big deal. No, no, no big deal. Um, yeah, so I, I really appreciated his physicality down low and just the fact that you can have him play probably 70, 65, 70% of the game. And then you have a freshman who's 7-2. You can't teach 7-2 coming in there. Donovan Klingon, who's just long, tall, big boy. Nobody could score at the rim. Like they say guards, guard play wins in March. Good guard play wins in March. But honestly, if your guards can't get to the rim, it can't finish around these guys. What, what good is great guard play unless they can shoot the lights out of the gym, unless you have a guy like Steph Curry in which, there was still a lot of length on the outside for this team with Newton and Hawkins and Jackson and uh, Caravan. And man, I love Joey Calcaterra. Like that's a, a fantastic name. Yeah. He was just a lot of fun to watch. Joey California just stroking from the outside. It was, um, they had everything working in the right way. And uh, it was just, it was really fun, fun uh, team to watch. And and I know for the nation, it wasn't a, it wasn't a sexy thing and it wasn't, a close game or anything like that in the championship. And and I saw, and I was going to bring this up and I didn't know if you were going to bring it up or not, but I'm going to bring it up right now. I saw something today. I got a notification from ESPN that said this was the lowest viewed national champion, men's national championship game ever. Mm. And look, I, I understand it because, you know, we're going to have this conversation is or is not Connecticut a blue blood. Should they be considered a blue blood? They're from Connecticut. It's not a sexy state. It's a small state in, you know, the you know, Northeast that not a lot of people really know or care much about. And then you had San Diego State. And we know how people treat their sports on the left coast. Sometimes they're in, they're out. Sometimes you don't really know. They're very fair weather fans. And the rest of the nation doesn't really care about a team in San Diego State. So, I'm not blaming this on UConn because they are a big name and it was good, I think, for college basketball. If you were a college basketball fan to see UConn back in the finals and and them being such a prominent program, which, uh, again, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. They, to me, are a blue blood program. This was really all about San Diego State. Nobody gives a rip about San Diego State and watching them in the finals. And then the way that UConn was just rolling, folks. It didn't surprise me, and and I, I made this con- uh, comparison on the show earlier this week. And if you were a fan of a team, I don't give a damn about the, the the nation watching or anything like that. All I cared about was UConn winning the basketball game. Mm-hmm. And for me, as if you're a fan of a team, this is exactly the way that you wanted them to win a championship. Didn't really want to stress all that much about it. You just kind of, you know, it was a four point lead or deficit they they had to overcome. 
The Aztecs were hitting some tough shots. It, it was what it was. Danny Hurley talked about it. I wasn't worried. I wasn't scared. I knew they'd kind of get their rhythm and do what they needed to do. And then, yeah, they made a cute little run and got it to within five late in the game. But that game was really, to me, never, ever really in doubt that San Diego State was going to take it over. So for me, like, this was a perfect championship that it wasn't a lot of stress. It was a very comfortable win, and we won. So I was happy. I don't, I don't give a damn about the nation, and if they didn't watch it, Greg Larnard was happy. That's yeah. really all that matters. Well, let me ask you this, because yeah. you guys became that blue blood 1,000%. I mean, it does feel weird because – well, I'll ask this first. Because you guys have done it with three different coaches and you don't have your star coach, like even with Carolina, you win it with two, but Roy was already a name. So like when you bring Roy over, it's still kind of partial to the stardom of a coach. Does it is it because of that? It's like that it kind of didn't feel like you guys became a blue blood until the fifth championship, more than Kansas, you know? So it's it's weird because that persona of having one coach or two coaches, you guys did it with three in 24 years. So is, do you think that's kind of the reason why? Like star power a little bit? I really honestly, until you asked me that question, I hadn't really considered that just because basically most of my life, all of my life, they've been a really good program. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the 30 for 30, the Requiem for a Big e the Big East. Uh, it's a fantastic documentary. If you haven't watched it, I'd love to go back and rewatch it because it just shows the building blocks of the Big East and all of those big names and those star power coaches. Now that we look back on and say they were star power coaches back then, they were just young, fiery dudes like Jim Beheim's got hair. And it's weird that, you know, he's, he's coaching his ass off there at Syracuse and, you know, you got John Thompson Sr., you know, he's, he's got the towel and he's coaching Georgetown and Patrick Ewing's dominating and all this stuff. But, you know, Connecticut was one of those schools that wasn't really all that big until the 90s hit Jim Calhoun got there. He kind of gave you some star power, but it took him a while to build up that program. And they had to really be patient with Connecticut because I'm going to be honest with you. I talked to my dad about this. Like, I know you've never been to Stores, Connecticut, but who the hell wants to go to Stores, Connecticut? The fact that, and Danny Hurley said it at the the podium at right, their their celebration at Gamble Pavilion the other day, earlier the week, like this is the basketball college basketball capital of the world, and it's just so it's mind boggling that like the men and the women they've been so freaking good, and and the fact that Stores, Connecticut can be in the conversation at the very least for the you know basketball capital of the world. To go back to your question. Jim Callahan, it just took him so long to sort of build that thing up. And by the time they won and were consistently winning, he was just getting real old and long in the tooth and he had some health concerns. And honestly, if he was able to stay there and continue to build that, he would have won that championship instead of Kevin Ollie. But he just he had to step away. He had to step down. Mm -hmm. Kevin Ollie's still obviously a big name who played in the NBA, He played for UConn. It was a really good story. This thing, if, if Kevin Ollie would have been able to stay there and continue to build it up, People would have considered this this school and this team a blue blood a lot sooner because, like you've sort of mentioned, you know, you go from the two coaches in North Carolina was it Dean Smith and um, and Roy Williams, Roy Williams, that's right. Um, you know, you could have went, you know, it would have been a good story. You go from Calhoun to Ali. He was on his staff. He is played there. He was an NBA player. You know, you go, you win the championship. Then obviously. Uh, the situation happened with him and the school, and it was just a bad ending. And then it just took such a long time to build that thing back up. And I love the fire and desire with Dan Hurley. And I, I love that 
they were able to they were able to have enough patience with him to say, look, he comes from a good basketball family. He is a good basketball coach. He's just got to have some time here to get the right guys in the building. And I was going into the, this tournament saying, much like everybody, that he's got to at least get out of the first weekend. If he doesn't get out of the first weekend, like this is five years, and it's been like three years in a row that he wouldn't have gotten out of the first weekend. It would have been early exits for UConn. He's had some talented players, but this was the first year that it really felt like they had a complete team, not just a couple of good players. So that's a long way to say, yeah, I think you're right that in, in assuming that, that that since they probably have had so much turmoil and turnover in terms of coaches and you know not a lot of consistency lately that's probably mm -hmm. led to the narrative that people are talking about that team we're not sure if they really were blue blood or not when in all reality you look at a, a program when they win four championships in the in the span of 23 years i mean that's that's pretty damn that's better than most yeah yeah it's crazy because go back to craig's point i mean it just Feels like they're, well, yeah. It's, it, even though it says they're not a blue blood, has been lying to themselves for over a decade. I mean, they've won three or more in the tournament. It's it kind of makes you a blue blood, and I just feel like UConn's done it in different ways because you know it's been what four they wanted as a three, and they were a six, I think, with Shabazz seven. They were a seven with Shabazz. Seven. That so, was, you know, that was a crazy year. That was another weird one. I think LSU was in that one. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a wild one. That was a big baby, right? They beat Kentucky. Oh yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then they beat Butler. They had yeah, they had a good run there. Um, it's kind of wild to me to look back because I never really put that in my mind of like how many they won because they just kind of they don't have the clout throughout the whole regular season. Like Carolina stunk this year. And they still got nationally televised games over and over and over and over again because they draw a huge fandom, like they just do in the South and especially in the in the entire East Coast too. I mean, they're just a huge brand. But Kentucky's yeah. the same way; it's just a huge brand. Um, UCLA, huge brand, but I don't consider UCLA like they're Indiana and UCLA are so far out of it to me sometimes that I'm like, why are you guys in the conversation? But yeah, and also shout out to Craig. I uh, just got back from his honeymoon. I'm sorry, Mr. Wedding Buddy, but uh, congratulations, big big jump. You and Aaron are the best. Um, yeah, and I want to go back. It's funny because Gavin does not think the same thing. He, he says the UConn is not a blue blood, in my opinion. They're like the LSU of football. They pop up every couple of years, win a natty, but no one considering no consistency between like of Duke or Kansas. Max respect to UConn though, huge Kimba and Shabazz. But I don't know. That's a lot of people's perception too. Yeah, I understand it. Like, I, I get it because they're that's a, that's a good comparison with LSU. I, I almost liken them to a certain degree. Again, I know this team didn't win as many championships; they only won two. But I kind of liken them to the New York Giants in the NFL, where like hmm. they won't really make the tournament every single year. They'll have some bad years, but then like once they make a run, they win the damn thing. They're five and zero in championship games. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah. That's insane. Like Tennessee can't even get to a final four and UConn's five and zero in championship games. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. That's okay. Dude, that was sweet 16 was my expectation. Again, it's, it was very similar to football. I had expectations of getting to, that would, they exceeded my expectations, but once you got in the mm -hmm. moment, you felt like they let you down. So like, if you're looking at it from a season total, yeah. you're like, this is great. But 
when you get there, you're like, we should have won. But I don't know. I, and I sad. honestly think like when, when I want to just to talk about Tennessee for a moment since we went yeah. there, I honestly believe that they can they can take what UConn did and they can make it their own. Like you have to get the right pieces. And I understand that seven two smart freshmen don't grow on trees. Like Eurosh was seven two, but he was a an emotional dumb player at times. Yeah. Like that's the difference between Eurosh and Klingon and Klingon. Not like a dude who's huge and athletic is going to jump out of the gym, but he's a guy who can affect shots. Eurosh didn't really do that. Like you have Adu who can do that, but you have to find like a a dude like Sonogo, like yeah. a, a big guy that's maybe not like seven foot, but a dude who's like six ten, six nine, instead of you know uh, Olivier Kamwa, who's more of a like a a stretch four than like real back to the basket force down low, like. You need to find somebody like that to come in in there and and just sure up the paint and painted area, uh, who can score on the low block, and then you need to find some guys who can score more consistently. Like that's my biggest thing with Tennessee. They're just they're great defensively. They oh shit, they've got some like they've got enough. <laughs> I'm getting super animated right now. Good. They've got enough defensive defensively, and generally that's a lot. Of, a lot of the times that's the hardest part for teams is to be good defensively, but. They've got that. You just have to go out there as a recruiter and find some damn scoring. Yeah. Find some dudes who can consistently put the ball in the basket. Like I, I sit here and I know it's I'm making it sound way easier than it is. It's hard. Like Julian Phillips should have been that guy this year, but he just could not play for some reason. And the fact that folks are are bantying him out there, like, oh, he might go to the draft. Like he's probably gonna. There's no freaking way he's no going way. to the draft. No way. Not with there is no team in their right mind that is going to be like, oh yeah, I see the potential with Julian. What potential? Like, yeah, he's he's long, he's lean, he's athletic, but you got to show me something at least on the college level before I take you uh, a draft pick on you. Yeah, it feels like those days of like just taking a guy based off six 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 seven long athletic. You know, those days are over. You have to be too skilled now with Euro yeah. with like European players. Just worldwide players now, like the the evaluations are so much further out. I mean, guys like Victor Wimbin Yama and it exist out there. You know, it's just it's wild to me that there's no more taking a chance on people. You can't afford it in the NBA. You have to find talent now, and he is not somebody that's ready. And college is going to be a good thing for him. Hopefully, uh, he has. He has the potential, but nobody's gonna draft you on that anymore, really, unless you are seven foot and can move. Like Klingman is a, a good example. Like he has really good footwork. He was able to. I mean, the biggest play of his career was probably a blocked that alley oop that he had in the Final Four. It was, you know, the guy gets back and reacts well, and those are the guys you can kind of take a chance on because you just need rim runners and good defensive, like mobile big man in the league. But you can't do that with wings anymore. You need somebody who can score right now. Um, that's a good point because I Tennessee, love these like, comments, by the way, like, I'm just yeah. like, I'm looking at these comments right now. Like <laughs> some you of them are asking, I don't mean to jump in into your, uh, what? Who, who's, which, which comments you looking at here? Okay. So like, I, I'm looking at like, um, it's Steven Snyder that he says like, doesn't, there you go. Doesn't this UConn cha national championship remind you of Kevin Ali's championship? It doesn't at all because you know why Kevin, Kevin Ali, basically had his championship ready made for him 
through Jim Calhoun's recruiting. He brought in those guys. He brought in a lot of those players, and those guys were within the program. Dan Hurley, he's been here for five years on his own. Like Kevin Ollie was there for a minute, and it was just kind of like, oh, okay, we're going to transition into Kevin Ollie now because Jim Calhoun is older. He's got some health issues. He can't physically do it anymore. So Kevin Ollie just sort of slid in there. Dan Hurley, he was again, he he built this program up over five years, and this was the culmination of all his hard work. So if he doesn't repeat, like, I don't think he'll be gone. Like, they're going to give him a little leeway now since he won a championship. But you obviously have to show progress and you have to show succession and you have to show success. It, you know, it's unrealistic to, to say, hey, we're going to win a national championship every year. Yeah. But you got to get to the dance. You got to get at least to the Sweet 16 and make some Elite Eight runs and a Final Four. Like, you have to make some of those runs or else, yeah, you will be gone if you don't if you don't have some success. But it's unrealistic to think that you're going to go and win a championship. And then uh, Gavin Jones, I thought this was a, an interesting comment if you want to pull that one up there. Um, Let's start with here. Gavin, Gavin. I would consider UConn a blue blood over Kentucky. Yeah, there we go. Wow. Has won one natty. You can't be a blue blood with one natty. That's a great point by That's Gavin. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. That's a great point. But just like the we think we all think of Kentucky and you know, it's it's a Calipari, it's a basketball school. It's not a it's not a football school, yada yada yada. But yeah, one chance that to your points that one head for a long time. Mm-hmm it kind of is like, all right, there's a consistency program, but where UConn has just been like Calhoun to Ali to, to Hurley, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of consistency there. That's why I like your point that if Calhoun was able to stay healthy or even if Kevin Ali was able to stick there and he was able to kind of make a run and, and continue on with his success there, then it would have been more considerate of a, of a blue blood. But Coach Cal, the consistency on the sideline, it, it really, I think, to your point, does make a difference. Yeah. And the Kentucky thing just and I'm carries sorry that over. I keep looking from... up. There's like a there's a there's a stink bug flying around in here, and I. I was actually wondering. I was like, "Is there is there like a wasp?" Because you look almost alerted. You like you look almost too alert for it to be less than like a wasp or something in there. You know, I was waiting for you to go stink, in a brawl. Stink stink bugs, dude. Like they just they find a way in. They always do, man. Uh, we we had a really bad battle with the wasp, like hanging out in our bedroom last week, and got got out the oh, sandal gosh. and went like you know it was, it went bed. I had to get on the bed and hit like upwards, kill that thing, and the velocity <laughs> that you got to get to go up like that, dude. I was like, I can't miss because you boys got a little allergic reactions. I can't do that, man. If I get stung by that bad boy, I'll I'll swell up. So I can't have that. But yeah, uh, stink bugs, not great. Summertime, welcome back. Um, but another part of it, like Kentucky's oh. just yeah, such an old brand that you're gonna you're, it's gonna carry over the blue blood factor. Yeah, Cal's Cal, and his personality, like it, it's the big dominant personality of him being the mafia boss that's gonna keep him in the news forever and always. In twenty years, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, says it, if you're not one in twenty is. years, it's not a blue blood. Gavin, why, why, why throw that comment in? He says, to me, if you haven't won two natties in the last 20 years, you're not a blue blood. We don't consider Tennessee a football power because they haven't won since 98. There's no reason to throw that comment in there, Gavin. There's no reason. We didn't need that. Um, Absolutely yeah. zero. 
it's uncalled for. Yeah. I was I was applauding you for your last couple of comments. That one, fighting words. Yeah, fighting words, man. That's okay. Throw it up. Throw it up. Um, let's transition over because I do want to ask because this was a huge year for the women's basketball and buddy, they threw up some uh, some trash talk. They threw up some good ratings. And to be honest, my favorite thing about it, uh, even though I, it wasn't perfect for me because I was driving back to the beautiful state of Tennessee, the three, th- the like I love the Friday Final Four and the Sunday three thirty championship instead of the nine twenty p.m. championship like the men's. Women's rocked for a jump, like the Angel Reese Caitlin Clark thing was awesome. Caitlin Clark being what she is going to be a big changer with this being a lackluster final four, especially compared to last year's more blue blood. How did, who do you think won in the basketball meritocracy this year? Men's or women's basketball? The women for sure. Yeah, for sure. They were the talk of the town. Like we were, it was national championship day for, for the men. And all we can talk about was the women. Now, if you had two like big, if you had big prominent programs, like even if UConn was there, because I, I consider them a prominent program and a big name, obviously mm-hmm. with what the women have done with Gino, and I know you ball fans don't love Gino, but it is what it is. And um, respect the hustle. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, if you had like UConn in like Kansas or UConn Kentucky, UConn UNC, UConn Duke, like yeah, it probably would have gotten a lot more buzz, but. I really hated the fact that this game was on the championship game was on at three 30 in the afternoon, Eastern standard time on a Sunday. I really hated that. I you hated I really it. Think, I, I absolutely hated it because I, I'm just for a championship game. I'm not looking for a championship game at three 30 on a Sunday. Give me at prime time. Give me at least six o'clock. Yeah. Like, I think a six 30, six 30 Sunday would be like a most ideal time for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. That's fine. Like, I have a problem with a the not well. I have a little bit of a problem with nine twenty start. That's way too late. But I understand why they do it at that because they want to try to make sure everybody can watch it. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't we do that with the women as well? Can the women get some respect on their name? Like, if this game is going off here at three thirty, that means it's going off at twelve thirty on the left coast in the afternoon, middle of the afternoon. Who's gonna watch that? Like, I had no idea it was on. I was I was uh, I was doing a practice until two. Sam went and got a massage. She gets back a little before four. We're making food. We're doing whatever we're doing. And she's like, "Oh yeah, like I would love to, you know, see like this championship game. Like when is it on?" I was like, "I don't know. Like I'll check." Like I'm figuring it was just at like six or seven. And all of a sudden, I look and it's halftime. And I'm like, "What the? Are you kidding me?" And in UConn or uh, LSU's up by seventeen. I was like, "This is." This sucks. I would have loved to watch this game from start to finish. Like we were out at Frazier on 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 Friday night. Me, Miggy, Allen, and Sam. Like and Mig and I. Everybody when the bar was like glued into South Carolina and Caden Clark. Hmm. Yeah, and you're beating a powerhouse in South Carolina at that point. You're getting you're getting Staley. You're getting all the good stuff. I mean. The fact that you had Friday night was special because it brought more people in because you have to isolate yourself when you are a lesser viewed sport. Like you have to do that. You have to be weird. Like that's why the XFL worked. 
the first time around a little bit more ratings wise because it was during the pandy when nobody was watching anything. So you you couldn't compete with March Madness. So now, like the women's isolating themselves, and also, dude, shout out to ESPN. They marketed that thing hard, and they did a good job with it. And getting getting Caitlin Clark versus South Carolina, and getting her a dub, and then Angel Reese being who she is, like she created herself as a villain. She's leaning into it, and it's a freaking blast to watch. And I know some people hated it, especially like Lady Vol fans. And I love Pat Summit. That is the most kind, wonderful woman I've ever met in my entire life. And she wouldn't have done that. She wouldn't have allowed that. But that's not who we are right now. That's not where the world is. And that's not what is kind of needed for the game for women's basketball right now. They need a little spark. And they kind of got it. It was a huge thing. Like you mentioned, I bet you talked about it all day Monday. Yeah, we talked. Well, we talked about it for for our first segment. Like I led the day with that story because <laughs> yeah. it was so big and so polarizing. I just was like, it has nothing to do with anything here in Tennessee or even close to this area. But it was such a big talking point from over the weekend. Like I had to talk about it, and I'm so glad that yeah. I I didn't assume the game was on at six and 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 pulled up the second half. And and they made it they made it respectable. They made it a little bit of a game there. We got a little interesting and. What not, and and I have no problem with what Caitlin Clark or Angel Reese did. Like people are trying to say that those two things were the same thing, though. They clearly like Angel Reese was literally following her around and getting in her face. And again, I have no problem with that. Her doing that because she's a competitor. She's in the moment. She felt like Caitlin Clark something to respect her team and her her you know her sister and you know the the, the girls in North Carolina felt like she disrespected them and the fact that she wanted to go out there and want to kind of upstage a little bit i have no problem with it i have no problem with them like you said like women's basketball as gavin said like let's be honest like if you want to pull that comment i thought that was uh yeah that was a good one one Gavin. most people don't watch women's uh basketball unless there's a star like caitlin clark he's right like that Mm -hmm. was what got me involved and wanted to watch because caitlin clark was doing what she was doing throwing up 40 point triple doubles on everybody and just shooting from all over the gym like Steph Curry like remember back in the day when Davidson and Steph Curry made that run how polarizing it was yeah that's the same thing with 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 Caitlin Clark and you know the fact that LSU was a better team and Angel Reese is a a damn good player herself and she is a bad woman in a good way like she is so freaking good at the game of basketball she's physical she's she's got a, a great swagger and attitude to her like they both do and I have no problem with her following her around and saying, hey, you know, let's get that ring because she felt like Caitlin Clark was disrespecting other people on her way there. So she's like, all right, I'm going to throw back in her face. And Caitlin even said, even if she was just taking the high road, even if she was saying, oh, I didn't see it, you know, there's no way she didn't see it. But, you know, she took the high road and she said, hey, I have no problem with what Angel Reese did. And I'm glad that she did because. You know, it probably would have played into the narrative chase a little bit better if she was like, yeah, that was disrespectful. She shouldn't have done that. Like, oh, my God, Twitter and everybody would have had a field day. But I love the fact that she's like, no, I'm a competitor. Like, I'm cool with it. Like, we should have played better. We should have won. I have no problem with her doing what she did. Yeah. And that's the that's the favorite part about the whole weekend was seeing Caitlin take the high road and also kind of giving her credit for it. Like, I think Caitlin has a really good understanding of what she does during these games, too. I, I think point. she is a very different person on and off the court. And she's probably like, I'm a little bit of an asshole. 
while I'm on the court. <laughs> and I think we all are. That's the really funny part. Like, mm-hmm. shout out to one of my best friends in the entire world, offensive line coach for UTC, Kevin Revis. Like, he is the sweetest, kindest man in the world. But everybody I've ever talked to is like, he's a little bit of an asshole when he plays football. You know, it's good. It's good you to have, have to. that. I think it's fun. Yeah, if you're a competitor and you're playing at that high a level, you got to have some sort of an edge to you. Like, you know, Sam and I were talking about it and, you know, like talking about like, man, like Kim Mulkey, she's tiny. Like, did she did she play like how far did she play like into college basketball? And like, I didn't know, but I knew like she played somewhere in Louisiana because I heard like, hey, she's coming home. And I, I went back and I watched some clips and like she competed, you know, with a national championship with Louisiana Tech, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, she to, it's incredible. Like, and I don't, I don't know. I didn't go back and look at it, but I saw some highlights of like her facing some incredible USC teams with Cheryl Miller on it. And she was bawling like, and she had that scowl, that FU attitude, like when she played, because she always was the smallest, probably underappreciated, probably taken for granted. And she sort of instills that in her girls of like, hey, you got to play with a chip on your shoulder if you want to be successful within this game. And again, I have no problem with that because it clearly works. That is a great motivating factor to play with it on your shoulder. That's why I love Aaron Freak Rogers so much because in the beginning of his career, he played with, until he won a championship, he played with a chip on his shoulder that he was the yeah. 24th overall draft pick. Nobody wanted him coming out of, out of high school. He had to go to Butte Community College. And somehow I find a way to, Turn it into a Packers thing and an Aaron Rodgers thing. And if you're looking Dude, up here, like you'll see we my made man. It, we made it 37 minutes without you mentioning Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. That's amazing. I'm so I'm so happy for you. That's that's probably a world record for us in a conversation. So well, you know why, and you know why it was is because we were talking about one of my other teams. Like if we weren't talking, mm-hmm. if we were just talking like Tennessee or something like that, like yeah, I probably oh, would yeah. figured out a way to work it in sooner. But yeah, it is like one of your most impressive skills. Somehow I'm like, how we were talking about, you know, chefs and somehow you get back to Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's, it's impressive. I mean, cooking up a defense, you know? Yeah. Cooking up a defense. Yeah. You're going to throw something in there. Like I'll, I'll say saute and you'll be like, Oh yeah. He sauteed them up. You know, last year it loves the Viking, you know, something, something along those lines. I, Oh, and I did want to mention too, funny enough, it's crazy back on the Yukon part. The stat, my favorite stat was they were 17 to no outside of conference play. And I was just thinking about little things today on the car ride home of how crazy it is, like in your conference, like little knickknacks, even like your worst teams pick up. Like the Titans feel like they always lose to the Texans or the Jags, even when they're bad. And you're like, why? What are these like? What are these small tendencies other teams can't watch from film that the teams that play you know how to do it? And it's just like, hey man, conference play is just a different monster in the tournament. So that's the only thing I wanted to say about that because that was just cool. They went 17 to no outside of conference. So brutal team. Um, back to the point of though, Aaron Rodgers. Uh he's going to the Jets. We'll talk about that real quick. Uh how do you feel like as a fan? I wanted to ask you, I haven't I've got to talk to you about it. It's like just as a are you more of a fan of Aaron Rodgers or are you more of a Green Bay Packers guy? Since you've I'm had more- him for most of your yeah, I'm I'm more of a Green Bay Packers guy. I'm gonna be honest. Like I I have an undying love and appreciation for what Aaron Rodgers does and how he plays the quarterback position and frankly how he handles himself off the football field. I think he's a, a phenomenal person. I know a lot of people think he's just weird and this crazy dick to go and sit in a dark room and you know what he does and go 
was on these different or throwing up and diarying all over the place and like just cleansing himself. But like, honestly, like it's, we live in a, a society nowadays where things are so mucked up and, you know, you know, who knows what people are putting in certain foods and doing different things. And the way that a lot of us live is, is very unhealthy in terms of like, our lifestyles and social media can make things very mentally stressful. And the fact that he can find peace within himself doing the things that he does and he moves differently than other people. I think that's a great thing. I think more people need to move a little bit differently. And, I, and I'm glad that we have the space where mental health and going to see a therapist or talking to a therapist is more normalized. And I know he's done that. And, um, I, I frankly have done that. I've, I'm not perfect and I needed somebody to talk to. And I think everybody could benefit from having somebody to talk to or just go day, day in a different way. So I'm more of a greener. Of course, I will always have love and appreciation for what Aaron Rodgers did, unless the Vikings, the Lions, like far, far, he was a big reason why I'd be backer. And, and um, I love him as well. He just felt slighted and he wanted to kind of get back at the Packers. And I hope to goodness that Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that because again, I will lose respect for him if he does do that. But, you mm -hmm. know, I appreciate his willingness to really want to be here and really want to be with this team. And, uh, but just, yeah, to, uh, to answer your question, I'm, I'm more of a Packers fan first and foremost, but uh, obviously Aaron's my guy. Yeah. And that's why I was wondering because we're in such an age now, like you, you're so tied to teams, but, you're more tied to players on those teams. It feels like more nowadays. Like it's such a – you get so much more access to them. It's like from our parents' age. I don't even feel like – even like if you're a Cowboys fan in the 90s, like you don't – you just didn't know jack shit about Troy. You didn't know anything about Emmett really. You you, you knew enough. Like Irvin was such a big personality. You kind of got an idea who he was. But you didn't know these guys outside of no. Jerry. And now yeah. you're getting to the point where – you know, Aaron's access is crazy. Like he, Aubrey's got a huge podcast. Aubrey Marcus has got a huge podcast that he's friends with Aaron. Now Rogan's friends with Aaron. And it's yeah. just all these combinations of things. And what is wild to me is like following the world that, that Aaron is in now. Like I've been following those guys for a long time. And there are things that are a little like wonky to me. Like I don't love all, all this stuff. Like I don't see how, but there's so many things in fitness and health and, and mental space that don't, attract me it's like the darkness world doesn't attract me but everything that they're doing and on it and all these places that are involved in that like i take the nootropics i think those are wonderful like, there's so many like great things that come out of those spaces that you see the big kind of weirder stuff like the ayahuasca trips that's not for me but i have a lot of friends that have done it and have come out in great head spaces like it'll change your life Billion, like million dollar companies, multi million dollar companies have come off people going down there to do ayahuasca. Is it something for me? No. But do I take the supplements that came out of that trip from ayahuasca? I sure do. Uh, like bulletproof coffee, all that stuff came out of some weird head spaces. Like it's that's the thing is like you have to take away these kind of oddities and look at what you get out of it in some ways. Uh, a big one for me was the Chris Hemsworth documentary series, like of him doing the Peter Atia. <clears throat> excuse me. We're so close to getting over this cold. Um, like, think about how weird it would be in 2004 if you were like, I'm going to go jump in an ice bucket every morning. 
or I'm going to be doing sauna five times a week, or I'm going to eat no carbs or I'm going to eat all carbs. People will be like, you, this dude is batshit crazy. What is he doing? Going into an ice barrel every morning or jumping <laughs> in the freezing cold water. Yeah. And now these are health protocols that people want you to do. So it's all going to come into fruition. And Aaron has done a really good job of being in the right group. Sometimes it's going to come off a little weird. Some of it I don't love. Like, I don't know if the darkness treat would be something for me or for most. I don't know if ayahuasca is for most, but it helps a lot. So, you know, good for him because he's put a lot of, a lot of eyeballs in some really good places when it comes to attracting fans to different kinds of health and mental health space. And it's like, man, that's been really good for a lot of people. Cause like you, I've also had therapy help me. And it's just, uh, it's been a really good experience to see this world kind of change a little bit at a time, even from athletes because they're the most influential still. Yeah. That's, that's who our superheroes are. Yeah. Come on, Chuck, you are a role model. Let's go. Um, last thing before we get let's well let's if you before we before we go to that I, I would like to address gavin's uh comments that he made about aaron and, and having somebody hold him accountable um i get what he's saying it is really and you and i can probably attest to this having uh you know girlfriends that i know sam holds me accountable for a lot of different things and and has pushed me and has you know helped me get over some things and you know, stay on track with my career and whatnot. And um, it is very apparent, you know, people in my life holding me accountable. They're about not having to be accountable. I would like to think that he has surrounded himself not with people that are going to be yes men or yes women, and there are going to be people that will be honest with him. And I listened to the Aubrey Marcus Park podcast, and I think he probably has put people around him that, you know, we'll tell him like it is and won't just sugarcoat things a lot of the times. You know, it could be easy because he's Aaron Rodgers to just sugarcoat stuff and be like, yeah, dude, you're the greatest. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, and again, I don't know this for sure because I'm not in that inner circle or anywhere in the same stratosphere as that. But I would hope that he is surrounding himself with people that can hold him accountable. It's just, again, mm -hmm. he's not a dude that moves normally. So it's probably different people than you or I have that hold him accountable. So I, I, I don't know if I agree with, he doesn't have anybody that holds him accountable. I'm sure there's people within his life that hold him accountable. Yeah. And I think in those spaces, and I don't feel like he'd be doing the things he'd be doing, honestly, if he had a bunch of yes men, because those type of people, if you had a bunch of yes men, they'd be like, they would probably be steering you away from, that sort of Austin lifestyle that they have. I don't think they would be allowing you, but could be wrong, but I am with you. It doesn't seem like he has that. He, he, he does seem like he kind of rolls his own way forever and always doesn't seem like that's going to change. And he's going to leave teams on the hook for probably the next three or four years. So that's who he's going to be. Um, well, but I mean like that's what, what, see, I don't, I don't understand why that is such a big deal. Like of, of him, like not being a hundred percent sure what he wants to do. He's getting older. Like he, he, I think it would be worse for him to say, Hey, look to the jets. I am going to be, I'm going to play three years. I'm committed to you guys for three years. Like what if he goes and plays this first season? And he's like, 
man, like I really, my body, like going from 38 to 39 or 39 to 40, whatever it is, like that took a toll on me. Like, I, I don't know if I can do this again. Like, I think it's okay for him. I don't understand why people get set to say, oh, such a dick up Will he, won't he? Whether he's going to like a major decision that he has to make. Like, and I just don't understand the backlash that people give him for being you know, for, for just taking some time to make that decision, feel through the options and say, what do I do with my friend? This is my life. I only get one shot at this. I want to try to make the best decision for me that I can possibly make. And I think, it again, it would be unfair of him to say, I'm going to commit to X team for X amount of years and then just be like, like, I don't I don't know if I'm feeling it like that. That to me would be worse. I think he's being upfront. He's being honest with everybody and saying, I need to go through a process to see if I really can truly come back and play at this advanced age. Again, it's just all these media pundits just want something to talk about and want something that the Aaron Rodgers haters, a.k.a. the chief number one hater, Chris Carlin, wants to just go out there and talk trash about him every step of the way. Oh, this, this diva, this, that, make up your mind. You're such a waffler. You're like Brett Favre. I, it just it really, really grinds my gears, man. I think the biggest thing for them, especially for the Jets, I mean the the market that they're going to be asking for because they the Packers know what they can get. I mean, it's just a wild, wild trade market. Um, you're like, I have to labor my future on this guy that I'm not sure that's going to be unsure every offseason that's going to cause me headache. And and yeah, it's it it shouldn't it shouldn't be a problem the fact that he goes on McAfee, but it is because of the media pundits that you just mentioned. It causes a team headache because of that. They don't want those headaches. I guess that's the thing is you're laboring so much on your future because you're gonna have to give away draft picks. You're gonna have to. I don't know if they'll want a quarterback. I don't know how that's gonna work. Do you know what they're asking for? Really? I mean, have you heard any more? No, it's all hearsay. Um, I I think the Packers ideally would want like a, a first round draft pick like they're what is it pick number 13 or whatever they're at right now like and i i think the jet willing or wanting to get that up or not a first round draft pick at all because i get what you're saying like i understand like we're not sure and it's hard for us to just say hey we're gonna give up a first or two or a first and a third or a first and a second or two seconds or whatever it may be to sort of mortgage our future to get this guy just for one year. We don't know exactly how long he's going to stay like, but that's again, the risk you run at signing and trading for a quarterback. That's old. You, just, you never know when the expiration date is going to come due. Like you just, you don't know because either they don't really, their body just can't take it anymore, or maybe they just don't have it anymore talent wise, which I don't think is the case with Aaron Rodgers. He does have it. He has lost a little bit of a step in terms of his mobility and things like that, but that happens when you get older. We've all felt it. I know you feel it. You're not the same in CSL as you were back in your star co-captain Ray County days, but like, no, no, <laughs> still, still winning championships, you know, but you just, you know, yeah. more, of a role, more of a role player, a good locker room leadership guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I get your point uh, about that with Aaron Rodgers. I haven't really heard any more about it. it. Just, I think everybody at this point is just sort of crossing fingers and being like, I just get done the draft because it would be great for both sides to know what kind of draft capital they have and really develop a strategy around that. But if I'm the Packers, I, 
I don't blame them for not being just like, ah, oh, we're not going to, we're just going to give up Aaron Rodgers for a throw pick and that's going to be that. Like, yeah. this is a dude that was a two time MVP. And I'm going to be honest with you, he would have played much better. Everybody talks about how bad he was here. Talk about how bad he was that last year, Mike McCarthy, and then how bad he was or mediocre. I'm not saying bad, mediocre he was yeah. that first year at Matt LaFleur. Like, again, I, I, I know. I am the biggest Aaron Rodgers apologist that there is, but there are legitimate reasons for those things happening. Again, not wanting Mike McCarthy there anymore. He's just kind of spinning his wheels, realizing he can't win with Mike, with Mike McCarthy. Two, with Matt LaFleur coming in, it's a whole new offense. Do I really trust this guy? Do you know We're trying to feel each other out. You know, there was that. And then last year, he broke his thumb. And he played the entire year with a broken thumb. So, like, again, people talking about how he's always oh, kind of on the decline. I'm not sure if he still has it. He'll play this year for the Jets, and he'll show with a good offense and with some good young weapons that he'll still be able to make throws that Jet fans haven't witnessed in their entire existence. That's a damn fact. They're going to get so much <laughs> more than they ever even imagined. Like this, the state, the city of New York City is going to be so happy. They just don't even know it yet. Like they're, it's going to be, it's going to be frustrating until the actual trade goes through. But when it happens and you see it on the field with what could be a really good wide receiving core? I don't know, man. It'll be a good offense, and you know that defense is going to come back strong if they can keep as many people as possible and do do a good job in the draft. But uh, let's do this. We're running a little short on time. How about we do a give me your top three things the casual fan has to look forward to in this offseason after March Madness and the Masters? the most casual sport sporting events in the country. Well, I would say the draft for sure. You know, everybody's a football fan. Everybody cares about football. It seems like, so the draft is where the, the, the it's like the perfect melding of like the fans from college football and the fans from the NFL. They all kind of like come together and is like, Oh my God, our worlds are colliding. Here we go. The draft or the, uh, the combine is sort of a taste for that. And then the draft is like, all right, college football in the NFL. We're going to meet, we're going to mesh together. And it's just a, it's just a fun mashup uh, between those two things. So definitely the draft at the end of April is big for me. Like I'm a huge baseball guy. So I'm looking forward to really digging into Tennessee baseball here in, in, in the state of Tennessee and in Chattanooga. And then obviously uh, with, uh, with, with major league baseball, the Braves, the Mets, the NL East, the whole thing, that's going to be fun to me. Um, Hey, real quick, give me yeah. Give me your two or three like major headlines for baseball for like the casual watcher. Like cuz I'm start, you know, we're starting to pick back up here and I have really been trying to tune into my Braves baseball via ESPN 95.3 radio. Um that give me some headlines like that keep you intrigued for the MLB season right now. Well, I think the first one is got to be Shohei Otani and and what he can do to follow up his MVP you know year that he had last year and it was the sort of a taste of what he was able to do in the World Baseball Classic of how freaking good this guy can be and will the Angels actually make it to the playoffs because again it's just mind-boggling to me you've had the best player in the sport and now you probably have two of the best players in the sport and you can't find a way to make the playoffs and get enough pitching to make the playoffs. So that's something that's fun for a cash fan to watch. Now I understand that the Angels are on the West Coast, and a lot of their games start very late, and it's not really conducive to watch a lot, especially us on the on the East Coast. So 
that would be a big thing. It's also going to be fun to watch and see how the NL East plays out because the Nationals clearly stink. The Marlins aren't going to to, to be too much of a factor. They'll finish fourth. But I'm really intrigued to see how the top three pan out again between the Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies. And I hope it goes in that order in terms of uh, who finishes where. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, yeah, nervous I don't, I don't know about if you the saw, Yeah, Mr. Mr. Craig Story, uh, our fellow Braves fan himself, uh, our group text was firing off about the the City Edition. They, that, our boys spent a lot of money on some City Edition gear this year. So... Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, they're, they're, they'll, they'll find a way to joke. I'm sure they'll find some way to joke. I mean, they'll find a fun and creative way to do it. You know, it is what it is. It happens every year. The only thing that I was going to say is I'm very skeptical about how the pitching rotation is going to plan pan out because they are. I mean, most of those guys have an AARP, AARP card at this point. They're very old, <laughs> and uh, Ver Verlander's already on the IL. Sure. Yeah. Scherzer's giving up back-to-back -back jacks. You know, like, he's not the same dude. Carlos Carrasco just doesn't have the same velo as he used to have. Like, that makes me very nervous. So, I like this team. But, uh, again, it's it's hard to pick against the Braves. The Mets always find a way to screw it up. The Braves are just the model of consistency. They've been a model of consistency since we were children. Like, that's why I hate them so yeah. much. Because they were always so freaking good and so consistent. Like, they always won. And, you know, it's just like people growing up in the early 2000s and seeing Tom Brady and the Patriots win over and over and over and over again, like kids nowadays, they're like, Oh, why did you hate the Patriots? Like what's wrong with it? They stink. Mac Jones is no good. Belichick's old. Like they didn't realize the Tom Brady era is like most of the mid 20 year olds who didn't experience the Cowboys run in the nineties and why people hated them so much or hate them so much. Like, obviously it's easy to hate the Cowboys, but uh, those are just a couple of things to kind of keep your eye on. I'm going to be honest. I haven't really dove his head first in the baseball in general. I would like to, I've just, while basketball sort of been going on, I'm like, all right, I'm going to kind of keep tabs on the NL East. Cause I got to cover the Braves and I love the Mets. So, you know, yeah. that's really what I've been, uh, what I've been focused on, but those are just a couple of things that I would kind of keep my eye on moving forward. Yeah. That's what I want to figure out. I wanted to see what your thoughts were. Cause I mean, you are, and I know it's it's your time to turn into that Major League Baseball fan. You are going to be an MLB guy through and through, and that's one thing that's different about you and I, and I, I love that. But one thing we do agree on is the the NBA. Um, and I'll say away from – because the, the number one thing that I had on my top three things that what we have to look forward to as casual fans is the people that become NFL draft experts like in, in a matter of a couple of weeks. Like March Madness ends and the Masters end. Well, first they become like partial Masters people. Like I will become – I'll probably tweet about it and I've watched two golf tournaments all year. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about it like I know what I'm doing. That's just what we do, man. That's why we love this game. Um, yeah. yep. But the NFL draft experts are my favorite. Like guys are like, dude, <sighs> Anthony Richardson is – Cam Newton 2.0. It's like, did you watch Cam Newton in college football? Like, did you watch Cam Newton? He was unbelievable. He freaking Michael Jordan, that team. And now we're starting to compare him like to this wild man. I don't know. So that's that's my favorite part is we're going to become. And yeah, I'm partially uh, I'm subtweeting through through our air. Uh, Trey Wynn, my co-host. Uh, he's a big AR-15 guy. So we'll see. We'll see because I, I love the NFL draft experts that we get from Masters Week 
to draft. It's my favorite part because we're going to all just evaluate players because we got nothing else to do. We got nothing else besides like playing games in the NBA and we'll see how that goes. I'm interested to find out like, I think for me, when you look at a casual thing, you're like, oh, wow, the Suns got Kevin Durant again. I forgot about that. And then they're going to dominate this playoffs because you're going to see just star-studded talent play out. And then you'll get to have a Chris Paul narrative come about again. I don't know if you, do we count this one for Chris Paul if he gets it? Or is it kind of like fraud. an asterisk? Point fraud. I, dude, I know Sam D is not going to be happy about that if he gets a ship. Because it's going to be I, a huge I don't asterisk know. I for just, him. I just, yeah, I just, I can't. I just don't I don't trust that team. Like I understand KD is KD and and Chris Paul to me is just like everybody wants to vault him up as this incredible leader and I love D-Book. Like I think he is a phenomenal phenomenal young talent and and he is him and he can put it in the in the basket as, as good as anybody but I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith in the Suns team. A a, a, a Chris Paul led Suns team I just don't think it's going to win a championship. I just, I can't, I can't do it. I can't say it. Even though KD is fantastic, I can't do it. It's tough. It is because I really like the net. I like uh, Nuggets. Sorry, not Nets. Uh, I really love the Nuggets, uh, but can't trust them because there's just certain, there's just little things. You're like, well, Murray's going to have to turn it around. He's not played great. Um, yeah, when you put KD and and Book together, you're like, man, that's two. That's the best one-two combo in the league. Uh, but then you look at the whole East, and you're like, well, there's some good teams out there, man. Like Giannis is, could do it again. I, th- it's going to be a pretty good NBA playoffs. I don't know if this is going to be the best one we're ever going to have, but this is going to be a really good NBA playoffs. And in this area, and I know for some channel folks. Uh, Jaw really needs to have a good playoffs. I think the guy needs to bounce back and like show the play. I think that's my number one NBA storyline is if Jaw can turn it around on the court. You might get some healthy, healthy outlook on you again because right now it's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is pretty tough for Jaw Moran. I'm. I'm obviously. As a Knicks fan, very excited about uh, the Knicks grabbing a five D. Obviously, not having Julius to start the season potentially is uh, is tough, but uh, that's going to be a fun matchup with the Cavs. And I think it's going to be uh, Donovan Mitchell's just going to cook us at MSG. Like I know it. Like it's just this whole day. It's going to be exactly what traded to the Knicks you know, back a couple years ago when I first moved here. Oh, you think so? You kind of you a little worried about that. Oh, I'm super worried about it. I'm. I, I, everybody's like, oh, Evans is exactly who the Knicks want. No, you did not want a guy who felt like you weren't willing to give up what you needed to give up to get him. And I understand he loves the Mets and his dad played for the Mets and he's a big New York guy and he wanted to be here. We talked about motivation earlier on in the show and playing with a chip on your shoulder. Donovan Mitchell is going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder, just like Trey was as they were talking all that smack and trying to push him around and bully him. And uh, he just went off. And I... I Donovan Mitchell is going to go off on the Knicks. The Knicks are not going to win this series. The, the The Cavs are a better team than the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to say that because I think I've kind of become partial because of you a little bit. I've always liked Julius. Uh, Julius is somebody that, you know, as a slower, 
uh, point forward kind of guy uh, throughout his basketball life in the uh, in the pickup realm. Uh, Julius is somebody I like. Like I, 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 I get sort of get some feels for because I'm like, man, you know, you're out here working hard because you're not really an above the rim guy. You got to work hard. Like you got to have a wide open space to throw it out of jam. You know, you, you got to work a little harder because we're not blowing by people. But you know, he's worked on his body. He bounced back. He was another person that I and I and I do like Brunson. Thought he was one of the best pickups that they could have got um, for the value because I was like, oh, I thought it was a little high at first, and then he just proved like he was worth it, man. He was really worth it. And when you're worth it after getting all the criticism, like that's a really high number for Jalen Brunson. Those stories are the best. It's like when you hit expectation, probably maybe a little bit above. Then it's that's those are the best stories to me. And Jalen's, God, he's he's a good player, man. I do worry about Donovan Mitchell um, for you, buddy. I do. I didn't think about the whole Knicks aspect of it. Yeah, it's gonna be rough. Um, my mid. My, the most mid team of all time, the Atlanta Hawks. So we'll figure that out when it gets here. Uh, anything else you need to touch on? Anything you want to pump out to the crowd that you need to you got going on? I mean, just just if you if you would, if you're in the Chattanooga area and you're listening to Chat Ten Sports, which obviously I would I would assume you are. I'm sure you have some listeners and some people who pay attention to this thing uh, outside of the Chattanooga area. Get the ESPN Chattanooga app, and if you enjoyed any of what I said or just think I'm a complete buffoon, please continue to listen and and argue with me. I would love to have conversation and debate. You'll hear and see this man to my. This way, what is that left um, uh, on yeah. Fridays? Every Friday on on the, our Feel Good Friday show. So like, just come and hang out. Like I, I it's a it, it is a difficult job just to give you a little behind the scenes. And you know, I went to a broadcasting summit uh, out there in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago, and you know, you had these big shows and these guys on that host big shows in L.A. and whatnot, going out there talking, and and you have Jim Rome, and you have you know. Collinsworth or not Collinsworth, um, Chris, Colin Cowherd out there talking. And like these guys have just so many, so many people working with them and have a co-host and have producers and, you know, people that help write this, you know, this, the show and, and tailor the show. And just being a one man band myself, like I can't tell you how appreciative I am to have you and Miggy and Garrett and you know, everybody that that jumps on in the Feel Good Friday hour of the show and just everybody who checks in and interacts with me on Twitter and calls in. Like, I know we haven't had a lot of callers. I would love to have more people call in and, and talk some sports because it is a difficult thing to be a one-man band and sit in that studio and talk to yourself for sometimes two hours. You know, I, mm -hmm. I try to have guests and whatnot, but just come and hang out. Like, it's, it's a good time. We try to have some sports conversation. I'd love to go off the rails a little bit. Like, that's why I like to do it. Uh, with you guys on Fridays, and that's why I love chat chatted up our old podcast that we had is because we could go off the rails, and that was mm -hmm. that was our time to be able to take left turns and do different things and have cool conversations, and it was just sort of an open forum. And I really want to get back to doing Ask G Thursday so we can take those left turns. So I want people to get involved, and I want people to listen and interact, and just I just want to have some fun with the people of Chattanooga. Like that's my biggest thing, and. I do really appreciate you having me on this platform to, to, to talk my talk and do our thing. And um, where can I find you, Greg? What times do you go live? I'm, I'm live noon to noon to two, Monday through Friday on ESPN 
ESPNChattanooga.com, the ESPN Chattanooga mobile app. Like, again, come and hang out. It It's better when we have multiple people interacting and I, I can play off some people because a lot of the times it's me sitting there talking to myself and talking into a microphone and talking to the mystical, magical world of radio. So come and yes. hang out, noon to, noon to two. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. It's nice and simple. It's at Greg Longer. So, Chase, I love hanging out with you, man. It's It's been too long. I can't wait Dang. to see you in person again yeah. on Friday. And um, I love that uh, you asked me to come and do this. I'm so happy that I can make it work. And, and you know, you give me time every single Friday. So it's the least I can do to, to make some time and, and come hang out with you and your listeners and just add whatever buffoonery I can add to the show, uh, you know, whenever you ask. So whenever you need me, man, I'm, I'm in. I appreciate it, dog, man. Much love. I'm telling you guys, it's one of my best friends in the entire world uh yes let's just fridays feel good fridays is one of my favorite times of the week just like go hang out with my buddies like this is kind of what it was today <laughs> we hadn't even talked and we, we'll text here about random stuff and i don't know we'll just say shout out to our boy gt today uh i don't know what they want to do um yeah so shout out it's like this small small like little text here and there but this is one of my favorite things about this whole platform is just it's just us doing our sports talk that we would do every day anyways so gives you an extra hour every week so buddy i appreciate you greg larner again <sighs> to all the people typing in comments uh listen to my mouth breathing today we're so close to getting over this cold uh lee lovians like subscribe to chat 10 sports rate review all the good stuff follow greg again at greg larner pretty much everywhere it's super simple it's great it's so great uh, follow, follow me at MC Green four two three. Give a lot of love to our boy Trey Win. Very busy week. He's a dad of three. He's a musician, so go give his uh, songs a listen. Uh, he's gonna be playing he some more kids. spots. He's got three kids, dog. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. He's a busy man. Holy, he's crap. not. He's not our friend Malcolm Harris, who will be on the show later on this summer. That kind of busy, but he's like busy, busy, yeah. You know? Yeah. So he's, he's real world busy. Like real kids world. are no joke. Yeah. So to all you dads out there, we appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to go be uncle chase tomorrow. That's why yes. I couldn't make kickball buddy. So uh, I love you, man. And I'll right. see we, you. Friday. We, we would lose with you. We'd lose without you. It would just be better to see you and lose. Yeah. So we have a little more you. fun losing, you know, crack up yeah. the cold ones and figure it out. But yeah. yeah. All Hopefully right, buddy. Stay not slide. Never sliding ever again. Yeah. Never battle again. wounds, bro. Battle never wounds. again. Never again. Don't go hard and kickball, friends. All right, no. we're out of here. Again, do all the fun stuff we need you to do. Subscribe, follow, share. Good stuff. Loving.